0: That's the Tavern Keeper's history. So, Master Tavern Keeper, you've painted for us a fairly comprehensive picture of the uh, ancient armies of Nehekara, but uh, you seem to have more to say about the uh, city of Numas. Am I right? Ah, indeed. I'll not lie. In terms of what we've discussed so far, Ramhotep's reign back in the Second Dynasty indelibly left a mark on the city. But... It was only one of many things that colored the city's history and underpinned the stance the city took during the rebellion against the great necromancer during the Third Dynasty. There is indeed much more to be said. Ah, I see. But of course, as ever, I bow to your wealth of knowledge. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But to finish off our chat about Numas, I really do want to give an overview. Of the history of the city, up to and then beyond the rebellion and the uh, legacy, although some may say uh, curse, left behind by the uh, Scarab King. It only seems right, in my considered opinion. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, by all means. And then please, reveal for us the allegiance of the city. You've uh, kept us on tenterhooks for long enough, I think. Were they loyalists or traitors? I simply must know. (laughs) But of course, it wasn't intentional. After this last indulgence, I promise I will reveal to whom the twin priest-kings of Numas bent the knee. Ah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. But uh, I am a patient man. There is no rush. Please, take your time. Ah, indeed you are, and indeed I will. Well, for the moment though, let us uh, go back to the founding of the city of Numas. Each of the cities of what would go on to become the realm of Nehekara began as individual kingdoms, not unlike the rival city-states we have here in Tylea. And, just as our uh, beloved Tabaro is so very different in character to, say, uh, Remas or Miragliano, each of the cities of the Tomb Kings, from Zandri, Lamia, down to Karsabar, both possessed and went on to retain their own unique characteristics throughout their lifespans, even as the uh, geopolitical environment around them fluctuated and changed. Not only this, Just as in Tylea here, if you, say, compare the iniquitous inland city of Pavona to the jovial yet cutthroat mercantile harbour city of Lucini, none would confuse the two. Likewise, in the land of the Tomb Kings, the Nehekaran cities of the north differ vastly to those in the south and east. That said, the northern cities such as Numas, which we have been discussing, and Zandri, which we will come on to next, shared some common traits. They were both, in essence, extremely militaristic, having sprung up in an environment that had had to face the constant threat of invasion from the northern tribes, the desert nomads, and the green skin menace. As a result, Numas was protected by tall, impenetrable walls, and every citizen was conscripted into the army for a period of service. This may seem a little draconian to us here in Tabaro where the idea of forced military service is a foreign concept. But in those days, it bred a hardy warrior caste, without whom the city would have likely disappeared from the pages of history. This was drawn to my attention by the uh, Tuareg elders in the desert, with whom I spent a great deal of time. They told me that, long ago, there had been many other cities, even further north in Numas, but almost all were now in ruins and... Buried beneath the desert sands, their histories and struggles and end unrecorded and unremembered, simply because they have been unable to withstand the blows of their enemies. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, such a fate! To have fought and struggled against the dark tide, only to have your world destroyed around you and rendered to naught but Fire and dust. A realm forgotten. Heartbreaking. <sighs> I propose a toast. I raise my glass to the fallen and the forgotten. Though you are gone, this old world you fought for shall persist whilst men still draw breath. Here, hear, to the old world and the blood that flows through her veins and drips from her blades. May the end times never come. Beviamo alla nostra. 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 Yeah, cheers. please continue, Master Tavernkeeper. Thank you, and thank you for your words, Heinrich. Well, I think it's time we uh, go back to the beginning with Numas. Now if you remember, I said that Numas had been founded by King Kesek, another great conqueror, but also a builder. It was he that beat back his people's enemies. It was he that built the walls of Numas. And it was he that wrote and codified the laws of the city. After his death, his heirs continued to reign in Numas until the coming of Cetra, the Imperishable. King of Chemri and King of Kings. Cetra fought to unify all of Nehekara, even sacrificing his own children to beseech the gods' favour in his task. And this they did. The subjugation of Numas was decided at that very moment, for who could stand against the will of the gods? Not Numas. And the city was forced bend the knee and pay tribute to Cetra. However, as soon as Cetra died at the grand old age of 150, and with him his herald Nekaf, who had slain the rebellious king of Bagar some 33 years earlier, Numas too rebelled and succeeded in gaining its independence once more. Over the next 400 years, throughout the remainder of the first dynasty and into the second, Numas was conquered, lost, and then reconquered by Khemri a number of times, but could never be held. The last of these was in the wake of the death of Ramhotep, the Scarab King. His loss, and the loss of the heart of his army as they committed ritual suicide after his assassination, left Numas vulnerable. In response, the city quickly replaced the lost elite Scarab Legion with something called the Sphinx legion, drawn from the surviving veterans of Ramotep's army. To fill the other units in the army, the city's new ruler, whose bloodstained name is unrecorded, drafted in as many men and women, most of whom had already finished their military service, as could be spared. In this way, Queen Rasut of Khemri was not able to bring Numas to heal. However, the city was but a shadow of its former strength, and her successor, Ketep, the father of Nagash and regent of her three-year-old infant son Kink, who did not make it past the third year of his reign, it has to be said, certainly was able to humble Numas during his own campaign to bring all of Nehekara back under the heel of Kemri. And so it was. When Nagash usurped the throne of his brother Thutep, all of Nehekara had already sworn their fealty to Kemri the so-called city of kings, and thus, at least insofar as Nagash was concerned, they had already sworn their fealty to him. In this, he was wrong. And although the twin priest-kings of Numas were ostensibly loyal to the Nagash, it was but part of the political game that Numas had been playing for centuries, and the city was used to swearing, fealty, to Khemri, only to throw off its yoke at the first opportunity. A less uh, self-absorbed man than Agash would have realised that, but the great necromancer's greatest weakness has always been his lack of understanding of the drives and motivations of others. This meant he had a complete inability to plan for it in his great schemes, and this void in his character would constantly end up unravelling his plans without him being able to grasp the reasons why. Hopefully, you'll be able to judge that for yourselves once we get into the events of the rebellion itself. But first, we've other cities and their armies to discuss. However, I've one last thing to talk about before we turn our attention to the port city of Zandri for the legacy of the scarab king and his murderers did not end with the death of ramhotep instead the pact he had struck manifested itself in his descendants in both light and darkness